So as we enter into our Christmas season, I was praying to the Lord and asking, all right, Lord, what, what do you want us to focus on? Because I'm gonna be honest with you. Christmas is um, a sort of a difficult time to preach about, because here's the deal. Christmas, the Christmas story um, hasn't really changed a whole lot. Um, and Christmas comes around every, every year, and you usually do multiple uh, sermons or multiple services about a Christmas theme. And so it's like, okay, Lord, what, what do you want us to focus on? And uh, trying to figure out all these kind of different things and different angles, and, and I just felt like the Lord was telling me, Frank, keep it simple. Just keep it simple. Because when it all boils down to it, that's what the first Christmas was all about. It was a simple Christmas. I mean, I know things have been very chaotic in the past several months, maybe even, you would say maybe the entire year. We are ready <laughs> to get rid of 2020. But I, I, I hate to uh, be the bearer of bad news and I'm very optimistic about life, but there's a very good possibility we still may have issues. We still may have troubles leading forward. So this Christmas season, through the chaos and the complexity that is surrounding us, and it seems like um, there are people just freaking out, whether it be governments or neighbors or whatever. And so Jesus was born at a time that was very similar. There was a lot of complexities. You had, you had Roman government ruling the region of the world. They were the most powerful country in the world. And they were taxing people heavily. And in the midst of all that, they had a census that they threw in there. Oh, let's, let's count people. So they made people go to their origin of birth. And so through all of that, you have this difficult time, this unexpected time, this chaotic, this complexity. It's very similar to what we have today. But I would argue to say, as I prayed about this, that God knew exactly what he was doing. In God's eyes, there was nothing complex about Christmas, that first Christmas. In fact, when you read, and we're gonna get through this today, when you, when you read how God introduced himself to mankind from Genesis all the way through the Old Testament, and the story that he uh, shared about himself and the way he revealed himself, there's a lot of complexity about that. And I think God wanted to make things more simple through the new promise, the new covenant, through Jesus Christ. But boy, don't we do a good job of making things complex? We sure do. But you know, God had a simple plan that involved simple parents in a simple place for a simple purpose. So I invite you to exclude all the complexities of, of life during this Christmas season. I want you to look at it through the, through the eyes of God. Because God intentionally, we're gonna see this as we travel through the next few weeks, God intentionally made the first Christmas a simple Christmas. And if we look at it through his eyes, we're gonna see that. And why did he make it a simple Christmas? Well, 
because he knew it would take a simple Christmas to reach a simple people, just like you and me. And it all began with a simple plan. So today, we're gonna talk about the simple plan of Christmas. And it all began at creation. Now, I'm gonna let you know there's, there's lots of scripture that we're gonna be using today. We're gonna be jumping around. You're welcome to follow me in God's word if you have your copy of God's word. But we'll have the um, scriptures on the screen and for those who are watching at home, you will have that as well. But, um, but through this plan, I'm gonna be jumping back and forth, New Testament, Old Testament. But we're gonna look at the very beginning, the plan. Because the plan for Christmas did not begin with Mary and Joseph. The plan for Christmas actually began at creation. We see Jesus' uh, disciple John talk about this in John chapter one, verses one through five. In the beginning was the Word, Word, capital W. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has overcome it. We just got through singing a song about that. Light of the world, Jesus. Jesus was the word, the capital W, from the beginning. Now you may ask, well, how, how could Jesus be, be the word of God? I thought the Bible was the word of God. So the word, the Bible is the written word of God. Jesus was the living word of God. So make sure you, it's kind of a, a different mindset. The Bible is the written word of God. Jesus was the living word of God. Um, we're learning Genesis chapter one that God spoke everything through creation and he involved Jesus in that. Um, we see this in, in, in uh, verse three, as you, as you go back to verse three. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been, has been made. Through who? Through him. Him, Jesus, was the word of God. We see this in, in, uh, from the Apostle Paul in Colossians 1.16. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, without uh, thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So Jesus was the living word of God from the very beginning of creation. And that living word became flesh and dwelt among us. We see this in continuing in John 1, 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. That just, those words are in the, one of the songs we just sang. The fact that Jesus is the Word, the capital W, is a very good thing, because Jesus is how God reveals himself to the hearts of mankind. God reveals himself through the Word of God, the written word of God, but God also revealed himself through Jesus, the living word of God. So why did God send the living word of God, Jesus, into the world? Well, he was the ultimate solution to a big problem. 
He was an ultimate solution to the problem of mankind after his creation. You know, I used to think that, that God, God really messed up his creation. Do you, I mean, we'll see this in a moment. Do you realize in chap, by chapter three, chapter three, every, everything just falls apart? By chapter three in Genesis, in this entire book, and I used to think, man, God didn't see that? God didn't know that was coming? Man, he, he failed. We, uh, we see a little bit of this in Genesis 2, 23 to 25. The man said, and man is Adam, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united with his wife, and they, became, they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Now that right there is when things were beautiful. Utopia. Everything was just right. It's exactly how God intended for it to be. But we'll see in just a moment. Everything falls apart. This beautiful creation, his plan, if we look at through our eyes, falls apart. But when we look through God's eyes, it's a different story. It seemed like the Bible was going one direction in Genesis 1 and 2. In Genesis 3, the Bible went a completely different direction. Adam disobeys with Eve. We see this, see this in Genesis 3, 8 through 12. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put there with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. We're not even out of chapter three, and the whole thing falls apart, or does it? It's easy to think that God wanted to create this utopia, perfect world on, on earth, and, and Satan just ruined it all, which he did. But it's amazing to be able to see that as, uh, as we see, as we see God move through the story of mankind, we see more and more that God planned for mankind to sin. Now, he doesn't like that we sin. You know, God wasn't surprised. Oh, wow, sin, they sinned. I, I can't believe it. I was not anticipating this. What do I do? I was not prepared for this. God planned for man to sin, mankind to sin. Now, let me tell you the reason why that's important. I need y'all to pay attention, watching online. Listen, if you have sinned in your life, which we all have, 
But even right now, if you're living in some sort of sin, can I tell you something? You did not catch God by surprise. God planned during for his creation for you to sin, meaning God made room for sin, for you to sin, and then he provides grace, as we're going to get to. So the reason why that's important is this. It's like, I want to live my life for God. I want to make good choices, but I keep falling into sin. God is not surprised when you sin. Now, it doesn't mean that we can keep going on sinning our life. We want to repent and we want to uh, confess our sin and, and, and move forward. We're going to get tripped up every now and then. But through his creation, God planned for you to sin. It doesn't cause you to sin. Nope. He's not excited when you sin. Nope. He just planned for it. It's kind of like this. For you and young couples, we've got a lot of young couples. We've got a lot of babies and stuff in this church. And so for those who are here or watching online, when you have a, have a child and you're expecting and you're getting everything ready, you never say to someone, oh, we don't need diapers. We don't need diapers. We're good. We're fine. Because, we're, you know, the baby's just going to use the toilet like we do. Well, that's ludicrous. That's crazy to think that. And so as a parent, as a parent, guess what? You planned, you plan for your children, for your babies to poop. You plan for the poop. And if you plan for the poop, things are better. Now, you don't like cleaning up the poop, but you plan for it. God doesn't like it when you and I poop sin, right? When we do sin in our life, he doesn't like it. But let me tell you something. He planned for it. Now, that should have a little bit of release off of the shoulders of some of you who might be living in sin. It's like, okay, so if God planned for it, then he must have a plan to help me. Just like parents have a plan to, to clean up the poop in a baby's diaper. Well, of course he does. He is not surprised at all by your poop. So, as far as God, God's plan, God's simple plan, okay, for Christmas, Number one, he planned for you to sin. Make sure you understand that. He planned for you to sin. That's, that's first one and simple Christmas. Number two, because he planned for you to sin, then he draws you in by faith or draws you in with Faith. We see this in, in Abraham as God revealed himself to Abraham. He had, you had Adam and Eve, and he had Noah and the flood, and Tower of Babel, and 
on down the road through history, and you had Abraham, and, and God decided, I'm going to reveal myself to one man who's, who's going to start this family, who's going to turn into a great nation, and I'm going to spend the next whatever years revealing myself to this family, to this nation. We see this in Genesis 12, 6 and 7. Abram, he was called Abram before Abraham, traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. So when the Lord said to your offspring, other, uh, other passages, and, and uh, as, we, as we look at the um, original text, it's really to your seed, capital S. So at, at this point in, in, in time, Abram didn't have any kids. He didn't have any children. How did he know that he would have offspring in order to fill the land, as God said? He had faith. He had faith. This is similar to when someone comes to faith in Jesus Christ. When someone comes to faith in Jesus Christ, they have faith that, he is, that Jesus is God's son, that he died on the cross, that he rose again from the grave, and he lives in heaven. There's faith in there, in that life. It's, it's interesting, as we go back to the word, to the word offspring, Again, another way to look at offspring is seed, capital S. And, and uh, Paul talks about this in Galatians 3.16. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say and to seeds, plural, meaning many people, but, to, uh, but and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. If we look back at Genesis, offspring, Capital S, big C. As we look at Galatians 3.26 in that same chapter. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through what? Faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and uh, heirs according to the promise. So the decision to follow Christ does not come before faith. Let me explain. Faith is what gets you to the point of accepting Christ as Savior. In other words, you don't just say, oh, I'm gonna believe in Jesus. I'm gonna believe that he's God's son, even though I've never met him, don't know much, much, much about him. I hear people talk about him, but I think I'm just gonna, you know, just say, all right, I'll, I'll receive this Jesus in my heart, and I ask him to, you know, come into my life, be Lord of my, my life, live my life for him, confess my sin, do all this. That doesn't happen without a sense of faith first. Now, your faith is going to grow as you walk with Christ, as you experience a life with Jesus, and he walks you through tough times in this life, and he pulls you out of that, and he comforts you with, this, with the Holy Spirit, and he brings you peace, 
and, and you, your faith will grow through that. But can I tell you something? Salvation doesn't come to your life and to your heart without first faith coming into your life. It's just like Abraham. Abraham believed by faith. Like the Bible says, God created, credited it to him as righteousness. And so when you want to accept Jesus Christ as Savior, you actually have to have a little bit of faith to believe in that. Don't think, well, I, I can't accept Jesus because I, uh, I'm just waiting for him to you know, reveal himself to me just so I can have assurance of, of that. It takes faith to make that decision, to cross that line of faith, to say, you know what? I can't see, but I believe. I've, I've never heard the voice of God, but I believe. I believe he died for me. Because let me tell you something. That faith is being brought in through God pulling you with faith into himself. God draws you into himself, into his love, into his salvation story. God draws you through that. The Bible says it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And as God reveals himself to you, you're able to believe and to have that faith. So God planned for you to sin. That's part of his plan. He draws you in with faith. And number three, he does require a living sacrifice. He requires a living sacrifice. Uh, we actually see this in the Old Testament in the law, in Leviticus, with the law of Moses. We see this in Leviticus 1, 1 through 4. The Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. He said, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when anyone among you brings an offering to the Lord, bring as your offering an animal from either the herd or the flock. If the offering is a burnt offering from the herd, you are to offer a male without defect. You must present it at the entrance to the tent of meeting so that it will be acceptable to the Lord. You are to lay your hand on the head of the burnt offering and it will be accepted on your behalf to make atonement for you. That's the old law. That's, the, that's how God was able to forgive sins. In the Old Testament, the sacrificial system, an animal without spot, without blemish, was required in order to make a sacrifice unto the Lord for the forgiveness of sins. But why an animal? Why a helpless little lamb? Seems kind of mean. Well, that's the point. A lamb is innocent. An animal is innocent. Since a lamb or an animal can do no wrong, they, they're perfect for dying for the one who has done wrong, who has sinned. They become the perfect sacrifice of death that we deserve because of our sin. We can receive an inheritance of forgiveness, but an inheritance comes with a price. Can I tell you what the inheritance? In order to get an inheritance, someone has to die, <laughs> right? You don't, you don't get an inheritance 
Well, someone dies. God provided an inheritance of forgiveness by the sacrificial lamb. The writer of the book of Hebrews explains this in, in 9.22. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. You connecting the animal sacrifice with the sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus became that sacrifice. It's stated by Peter in 1 Peter 1, 18 through 20. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the Lord, but with the precious blood of Christ and lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but he was revealed in these last times for your sake. That is why the virgin birth is vital for the redemption of man and women. He, had Jesus been born in the bloodline of man in a, in, in a normal way, through intimacy, intimacy through a man and woman, he would not have been perfect. He would have had the blood of fallen man coursing through his veins. It is the perfect blood of Christ alone sprinkled upon the altar of heaven that atoned or paid for the wrongdoings of mankind. Today, we no longer need sacrifice of animals. We don't need that. We don't. That, that system became very complex. In fact, over time, the, the uh, religious rulers and the teachers, they, they sort of took advantage of that and warped that into something that, that was different than God, God originally planned. And so the, the sacrifice and the animal sacrifice was something that was very complex, and God's like, you know what? It's a new day, it's a new covenant. We have a simple way. We have a simple way. It's by faith. It's by faith in my son, Jesus Christ. It's simple. But, but through this plan, we have to continue to be a sacrifice. You and I are not true followers of Christ if we ask for forgiveness of sin and we repent from that, but then we aren't a living sacrifice of ourselves. And when I say living sacrifice, there are things that you and I are drawn to do, we, we, we desire to do in this life that are sinful. But the living sacrifice comes when we say no to those things and we say yes to following Christ every day, and that is the living sacrifice. We lay that on the altar. Jesus said, take up your cross and deny yourself, and every day, and we do that, and as we do that, we are a living sacrifice. It doesn't take the animal sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sin. Jesus Christ was that sacrifice. And it doesn't take our blood anymore. We believe in Jesus' blood, but it does take the sacrifice of our life to where we could be a living sacrifice. We, talk, we talked about this in Romans. Romans 12, one and two. Therefore, in view of God's mercies, 
I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Our selfish desires, we desire every day, to live like the world, we gotta lay them at the altar every day. And the, the altar of sacrifice, it's all part of God's plan. So God, God's simple plan, he, he planned for you to sin. But it doesn't stop there. He draws you in by faith. And then, he not only draws you in by faith, but he requires us to continue to, to be that living sacrifice every day of our lives. And that's all part of his plan. So what, is this, what does this have to do with you? What is, what is your simple plan? God does have a simple plan for you. I've laid it out in proof of scripture. I've made the case today. God made a way out of this complex world filled with wrong choices and then turned that into a simple choice, the most simple choice you will ever make. It's a simple plan for simple It's a simple plan for simple people. This was God's plan all along, to make a way for his creation to choose Jesus and allow God to live inside them through the Holy Spirit. God has already chosen you. God has already reached out to you. We see this in 1 John 4, 9 through 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. It's only through Jesus, as stated in Acts 4, 12, salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Having the presence of God in your life is as simple as stated in Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and and are saved. It's so simple. It's not complex. It's not complex. There's no complexity with that. There's no confusion with that. I know we like to try to make it, surely it's, it's, it's something bigger than that. It is something bigger than that, but it's not as difficult as we might seem. It's just believing by faith. Yes, there is a God who loves me. Yes, he sent his son to die for me. That was his plan all along. 
to make room for your sin, to make room for grace by, by drawing you by faith to himself. And then part of his plan is to help you be that living sacrifice. No longer the complexity of the old way of sacrifice. You know, I used to think that, that the invitation, and growing up in church throughout my whole life, I, I've seen many invitations. And an invitation is something you have at the, the end of the service, and, and you ask people to pray. We, we give those here at Lake Point Church. I, I, don't, I don't like to walk away without the opportunity to have someone accept Jesus Christ as Savior. A lot of times our invitations are, are just something that you and God deal with, maybe from your seat or, or there at home or, or wherever you're watching online. I used to uh, think the time of salvation was God inviting you to be a part of him, but I've come to learn that an invitation is really more of inviting God into your life. Let me tell you something. God is not gonna bust down the door of your heart. He is not going to do that. That's not his way. He just wants to be invited. So an invitation is really you giving God an invitation to come into your life, to make room for him, to say, thank you, God for making room for my sin. Thank you, God, for, for making room in your great plan for, for my mess-ups. Thank you. And, and then thank you, God, for drawing me in by faith, drawing me in to your love and your mercy. And then thank you for encouraging me and giving me the power through the the Holy Spirit and through your word to be that living sacrifice, to be the person you designed me to be. So because of that, I invite you in. Here is your invitation to come into my life, to come into my heart. Will you invite him? Will you invite him into your life? Now, some of you sitting here today or watching online, you've, you have done that. And, but I would imagine, just like me, I would imagine some of you have people in your life, a family member, a friend, a coworker, someone in your sports team, somebody in your life that you have been burdened by. And you just, you need to stand at the gap for them. That you can't be saved for them, but you can pray for them that they will understand and that they will give that invitation for Jesus to come be Lord of their life. So in just a moment, the band is gonna sing an incredible song. Just a moment, I invite you, if you're watching online, just to relish in this moment, just invite the Holy Spirit in that place. And for those who are here, we're gonna be standing in just a moment. But also, this altar is open. I invite you to come forward. I'm, I'm actually going to be standing here. And if you got questions about how to do that invitation to Jesus for him to be, to come into your life, into your heart, to 
to understand that simple plan. It's not a complex plan. It's a simple plan. That simple Christmas. If you have questions, I'm down here, ready to talk with you, ready to pray with you. And this altar is also open for those who want to come down here and just pray for people who are God has put on your heart and you're burdened by that they need to understand. So I invite you. I'm going to pray first. We're going to stand. I invite you to sing. I invite you to come forward to watch you online. I invite you to pray with me and to join us in this. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, thank you for your simple plan. Forgive us, oh God, for uh, for making it too complex. We, we just mess things up time and time again. But Father, your, your ultimate plan is simple. And you long to come into our life, but you're not gonna bust down the door. Help us, Lord, to invite you in to where we are. And that is you. You can simply say a prayer. Something like this. God, I believe by faith you sent Jesus. I believe Jesus died for me. Please forgive me, Jesus. I confess my sin to you. I invite you into my life. I surrender to you. Come into my life. Be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. And if you said that prayer for the first time, I'd love to know about it. For those watching online, you can send, a, you can send in an uh, email to pastor at lakepointonline.com. If you're here today, you can tell me. But listen, we're going to continue in this moment for God to move in the hearts of people. I want you to stand in the gap for people. This altar is open. You can come down here. I'll be praying with you. Let's all do this together. Let's all stand together as a band leads us.